the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. all to understand that God's Word is the handbook of life and it applies to all aspects of life. We all have questions about life, how to properly parent, uh, how, how to be good stewards of and manage money, um, how to be a good husband or a good wife, uh, how to be a good employer or a good employee, uh, what to do when people stab you in the back, how do you deal with grief when someone dies. You know, all these kind of complex issues of life they really are sincerely addressed in the Bible. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Many make the mistake of not giving proper time towards studying and understanding the Bible. Pastor Gary reminds us today that the Bible is our handbook to life. Not only will it teach us about God, but it will teach us how to handle the inevitable troubles and tribulations which arise throughout our lives. If you fail to consistently be in your Bible, begin to make it a point to read it daily. It is God's Word, and it is the instruction manual for how to live this life. Make no mistake the Bible will make your life easier and better. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 119 for part one of today's message titled, The Blessings and Benefits of the Bible. going to give a bit of a lengthy introduction to Psalm 119. Uh, that's because it is a lengthy chapter itself. It happens to be the longest psalm and the longest chapter in all of the Bible. So for those of you who like to take notes, here are a few bullet points. And I would encourage you, even if you don't normally take notes, to take notes today, because this is going to be one of these teachings that is, I'll apologize in advance. It might end up being more like a a college class than it is like a Sunday sermon, but this is some important information because of the the chapter that we've come upon now in our journey straight through the Bible from cover to cover, Psalm 119. It is the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. You will notice, if you just take a quick glance through this chapter, it is divided into 22 sections corresponding with the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. They, they only have 22 letters. We have 26. They have 22. And you'll notice 22 sections in your Bible. And each section begins 
with one of the Hebrew letters of the alphabet in order. So section 1, Aleph, section 2, Beit, section 3, Gimel, and on and on through all 22 sections. And each section has eight verses. And each section is written in what is called an alphabetic acrostic. Now, we can't see it in English, but I need to point this out to you in Hebrew. Because what it means is every section... So let's start, for example, with the first section that is, that is subtitled Aleph, after the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Every verse, then, in that section begins with the letter Aleph. So you can't see it in your English Bibles, but, but that's the way it is all through. So the next section is the letter Beit, and all eight verses, each verse begins with the letter Beit. And so that's the way it is through the whole chapter in the original Hebrew language. The reason it was written this way, two reasons, to aid memorization, to aid memorization and to develop a deep appreciation for Scripture. It is no coincidence that the longest chapter in the entire Bible is about the Bible. Psalm 119 is about God's Word. It is about the Bible. It is about Scripture. And there are eight different terms or synonyms used throughout Psalm 119 uh, referencing Scripture. Here are these eight terms. Uh, The terms law, or the plural of it, 45 times. Statutes is a word that is used 23 times. Ways, 3 times. Precepts, 21 times. Decrees, 22 times. Commands, 22 times. Words, word or the plural of it, 30 times. Promise or the plural of it, 13 times. Out of 176 verses in this chapter, only four verses do not use one of these eight words. Only four. So this is a, this is a chapter about the Bible, and it's the longest chapter of the Bible. And, you know, some things God is content to say in just a couple of verses. You know, if you glance back a couple of chapters, Psalm 117 is only two verses long. That's it. Two verses, Psalm 117. We come here to Psalm 119, it's 176 verses. So some things God is content to say in two verses, and some things he wants to take 176 verses to say. And I don't know that it is fair to judge chapters of the Bible in terms of, you know, the length of the number of verses as to whether or not they're important or not. But I think that there is something to be said about the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, about the Bible. And how it might be communicating to us from the Lord that this is something pretty important. And that we should pay particular attention here to this chapter as long as it is because of its content and its emphasis on the Bible itself. So, since the Bible, since the Bible is the foundation of Christianity in terms of faith and practice, and since the Bible is the foundation of all that we're about here at Cornerstone because it's about faith and practice, and since it is the longest chapter in all of the Bible, I will tell you right up front, it's going to take us a few Sundays to get through this book, okay? Through Psalm 119. It's going to take us a few Sundays, and you can thank me later. Because if, you, if you're here today and you're like, we're going to look at 176, it's okay. I'm going to spread this out over a few weeks. You say, well, how, how long will this series be? I'll let you know when I'm done. I don't, I don't know. I'll let you know when, when I'm done. I can at least give you the title. The title of this series is going to be The Blessings and the Benefits of the Bible. Because all throughout this chapter, 
of Psalm 119, all throughout this chapter, God says over and over again, if you take some kind of action relative to my word, and, and the action verbs are you know, different. If you, if you meditate, if you apply it, if you live it, if you obey it, if you take it to heart. So all those kind of terms are used throughout this chapter. God says, if, if you take some kind of action relative to my word, then there are inherent blessings and benefits within for your life. This is what Psalm 19 is about. There are inherent benefits and blessings within the scriptures that if we read it, believe it, and apply it to our lives will be things that we experience and enjoy. But the Bible is like an aspirin. I have one in my pocket here. The Bible is like an aspirin. Now, an aspirin has really been considered in like the last century to be kind of the wonder drug, okay, because of its, all of its wonderful medicinal qualities. I don't work for any pharmaceutical company. I'm not trying to make a buck trying to give to this announcement. I'm just using this as an illustration, right? Aspirin, we know, is a pain reliever. We know it also now prevents heart attacks. And some research has shown that it can even prevent certain cancers and prevent some cancers you might already have from metastasizing. It's considered like this, this wonder drug, all right? But if you just go around all day long talking about aspirin and mentioning its wonderful medicinal qualities, you might even carry it around in your pocket all day long, unless you get it into your system, it has zero value. That's the Bible. You could go around all day long quoting scripture, talking about it, telling your friends the wonderful attributes of the Bible. You can carry it with you, put it in your pocket, put it on your nightstand when you go to bed at night. But unless you read it, unless you ingest it, unless you get it into your soul, it will have no benefit. So my hope for us over the next couple of weeks is that as we read through Psalm 119, we see all the wonderful benefits and blessings of God's word by reading it, applying it, doing what it says, that we will get a love for the Bible and if you already had one, great, that it would just be even a, a deeper love for the Bible and that you would enjoy its wonderful blessings and benefits because you read it, you believe it, and you apply it to your lives. God's word, it is wonderful. It is rich, but it has no benefit to us unless we get it into our souls. Now, as eager as I am to dissect this chapter with you on day one, and to glean all the wonderful blessings and benefits here. The first thing that I want to do for the purpose of today's study, and again, this might sound more classroom-oriented than it is you know, a typical Sunday sermon. The first thing that I want to do with you, though, is to establish with you the reliability and the relevance of the Bible itself. Because I don't really think that we can appreciate all the wonderful blessings and benefits until we first understand foundationally about the Bible itself. Over the years of ministry at Cornerstone, many of you have had legitimate questions. Questions like, how can we trust that this book is true? Uh, how was it compiled? Did men write it or did God write it? Does it contain errors? And on and on it goes because people want to understand the Bible itself as a book. And so I wanted to spend some time today, even before we dive into Psalm 119, we're going to read the first eight verses just to kind of whet our appetite. But otherwise, today is going to be more focused on just understanding the Bible itself 
appreciating how it was compiled, the hand of God behind it, so that then we can, when we dive into Psalm 119 further, we can then understand the blessings and and benefits that are inherent. So uh, I'm going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll pray. All of what I just said was an introduction at no extra charge. But we're going to then read first eight verses and pray, and then we're going to talk about the Bible itself uh, and the foundation of, of God's Word. So take a look with me here. Psalm 119. Notice, no byline. We don't know who was inspired by the Lord to write this. Some say David, but it's not mentioned, so we don't know. Verse 1. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that you are, that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. King James says judgments. I will obey your decrees Do not utterly forsake me. First thing I want to say before we even dive into some of this detail, and this is going to be kind of rapid fire. I do apologize. It's going to be kind of like drinking out of a fire hose rather than a garden hose today. But uh, for the sake of time and to give you a lot of information, I'm just going to kind of go rapid fire with you. But first thing that I want to say is that I completely understand. I want to make it clear. God does not need me to defend the Bible. Okay, God does not need me or anyone else to defend his word. He's been doing just fine defending it and uh, causing it to flourish uh, throughout human society for millennia of time. In fact, the prophet Isaiah would write in chapter 40 and the apostle Peter will quote it and repeat it again in 1 Peter chapter 1, 24 and 25, which says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Okay, God's truth is true and it will always be true and God will cause it to flourish and God defends his word. So I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to, I have to defend the Bible. I don't need that. God doesn't need anybody to, to defend the Bible for him. Okay. It is his word. It is his truth. But I do, however, in a pastoral role, want to help equip God's people with a, a basic understanding of the Bible itself. You know, how did we get the Bible? Why should we trust the Bible? Uh, are there errors in the Bible? So we're going to touch on some of these things through the course of our study. I also want to, want to say this, that we should appreciate the Bible not just because it is the revelation of God, the revelation of himself to mankind, which it is, but it is also the handbook of life. I want us all to understand that God's word is the handbook of life and it applies to all aspects of life. We all have questions about life, how to properly parent, uh, how, how to be good stewards of and manage money, um, how to be a good husband or a good wife, uh, how to be a good employer or a good employee, uh, what to do when people stab you in the back, how do you deal with grief when someone dies. You know, all these kind of complex issues of life, they really are sincerely addressed in the Bible. And if we would recognize that the Bible is not just 
although it would be sufficient if it were only, the revelation of God to mankind. But he's given us, what we hold in our hands here is really the handbook of life. It instructs us, it helps us, it encourages us, it admonishes us. Uh, It prepares us. It guides us. So there's this wonderful aspect of the Bible that it is beautiful and it is wonderful to us and for us. That said, we don't worship the Bible. I mean, it it is to be regarded as a sacred text, but we don't worship the Bible. We worship the one that the Bible is written of and the Bible was written by. Okay, we worship the God of the Bible, the God of the universe who has given to us basically a love letter. This is what the Bible is. It is the expression of the love of the creator of the universe for all of humanity. That he has a plan to rescue us. That he came to us, he pursued us, and he wants to rescue us from our own sin and our own messed up, crazy, confused world. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. We live in a messed up, crazy, confused world. And God says, I'm going to offer my son as a sacrifice for your personal sins and to rescue you from this world. So the invitation is there for all of us. And that's, that's really what the Bible is all about. It's God's love letter to mankind, how he came to us, pursued us, died for us, rose again, offers us forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven to be rescued from this world when we die. And so that's the good news of the gospel. And God has given it to us. So that we would understand his intention for us, his purpose, his plan for us. That's what this book is about. But let me tell you why we need to particularly understand the importance and significance of the Bible. And that is because we are living in a time right now when, sad to say, we are living in a time when many, and I'm going to use that word, you know, when I was preparing my notes, I thought I should say some, but it really has escalated to the point where now I think it's safe to say many denominations, Christian universities, colleges, and seminaries, and Christians in general, when many no longer hold to the authority of the Word of God. It is tragic, but it is true. According to a survey of denominations by the Barna Research Group, on average... Listen to this statistic. On average, only 34% of those who identify themselves as mainline Protestants, only 34% of mainline Protestants believe the Bible is totally accurate. Only 34%. And only 26% of Catholics believe that the Bible is totally accurate. That is staggering and that is depressing. Another survey conducted by a different group called the America's Research Group, which interviewed 312 administrators and professors from 200 different Christian colleges. They were wanting to find out what the leaders at these Christian colleges believe. Almost all the leaders at Christian colleges, meaning presidents, vice presidents, and heads of science and religion departments, say that they believe in Scripture's inspiration. We'll talk about that term in a moment. Almost all of them said, we believe in Scripture's inspiration, but it didn't translate into their belief in the inerrancy of the Bible. And for example, in this survey of 312 Christian college leaders, only 60% believed in a literal six-day creation, 24-hour days. Only 60%. Only 58% believed the flood was worldwide, and 
31% of religion departments at Christian colleges are teaching evolution as truth. This is what we're facing right now. So there has been this tragic erosion over the years of belief in the Bible as the authoritative word of God. And should it surprise us? Because the Bible actually says about itself that there will come a time when people won't put up with the truth. It's 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 4. This is Paul's charge to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, after whom the letter is, is named, who pastored a church in Ephesus. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1. He says, I give you this charge. Preach the word. He said, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to tell them, Paul says, what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, there's going to come a day when people have this itch in their ears. They don't want to hear truth anymore. Paul warns in the rest of that passage that they will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. So this shouldn't surprise us, as tragic as it is, that even among denominations and Christian colleges and universities and Christians themselves, that that many are turning away from the truth and no longer holding to the authoritative word of God. So, I want us to be different. We're going to be swimming upstream in our culture related to how we value the Bible around here at Cornerstone. But nevertheless, this is my commitment to you, and this is important that we all understand just exactly what does this church think about the Bible. There are three terms I would encourage you to write down. Again, I apologize if this sounds a little bit more like a college class than it does a Sunday sermon, but I just want to lay the foundation with us. we got to get this clear first. We're not going to appreciate the blessings and benefits of the Bible. Three terms, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. Now, the first term is inspired. When we talk about the Bible as being inspired, we don't mean it like we would say that Shakespeare was inspired to write a good play or Michael Buble was inspired to write a good song, okay? Inspiration, when we talk about it in terms of the Bible, is much more than that. What we mean is that God is the source of the Bible and that he worked through human authors to bring forth specific words of what they originally Wrote. So here's a working definition for those of you taking notes. Inspired means God's revelation expressed through men who were vessels of his thoughts and intentions. Okay, that's what it means. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, in a King James or New King James Bible, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so there's that word inspiration. But the NIV actually translates the original Greek language more literally. The Greek word is theonoustos. And theonoustos means God breathed. This came directly from God, breathed into the hearts of human vessels to be able to write how they were inspired to communicate the themes, messages, and words that God wanted to communicate. 
This is why Peter would say in 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never had its origin, its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you hear, do you hear that symbolism there? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. So inspiration means that God so directed the human writers of Scripture that using their personalities, their cultural experiences, their literary styles... His complete revelation for mankind was recorded. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too, so give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.